Hi, welcome to your neighborhood pharmacy. Hi, I've got a prescription for diabetes test strips. How much is the copay? Well, it depends on your type of commercial insurance and factoring in your yearly spend, subtracting the deductibles, also depending on your monthly Ugh, allowance. Why can't there be a better option? Or you could try Contour Next test strips. A 35 counts only $19.99 over the counter and proven to be highly accurate. Go to contournext.com slash radio to see if over-the-counter strips are a more affordable option for you. Hmm, I think I'll try Contour Next. Let's get started. So welcome, Scott. You said it's Scott? Hey. Yeah, yeah, Scott's good, yeah. Yeah, so Scott, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, what uh, what's bringing you on stream today and, and how we can be helpful. Um... I guess pretty much at a core, it's just video game addiction. Okay. So I play way too many games. Okay. Like upwards of pretty much like 18 to 20 hours a day. I don't get a whole lot of sleep. So oh, wow. a lot of games. Yeah. Um, that's kind of an average. Um, and it pretty much affects a whole lot of stuff, like friendships, relationships, like outside of games and stuff like that. Sure. And um, obviously like ability to get a job. So one of the things like... Uh, gaming is kind of like a kind of like a recovery thing for me like if i get some bad news i'll just go into a big spiral of playing all the games and stuff like that so okay hmm. that kind of kind of shifting away from that and kind of replacing it with something healthier i guess okay. or just cutting down the numbers a bit sure um and can you tell me a little bit about which games you play um a lot of world of warcraft um okay. like way too much um bit of league as well and fighting games as well like which ones uh, Smash Tekken mostly. Okay, and in and what do you usually do in WoW? Um, at the moment, I play Classic, and okay. I just finished ranking in Classic. If that makes what if you know what ranking that is. mean? Uh, like ranking is pretty much just like a competition of no life. Like you, like one to fourteen, everyone ranks up. You get a certain amount of points every week, and if you don't play for a week, you lose points. So it's like notorious for just being like no life. You just have to keep no lifing. <laughs> Oh, interesting. So it's actually yeah. a competition where... Who can put that much time in? It's not skill at all. <laughs> interesting. It's how really do you, weird how do you, What do you mean by rank up from 1 to 14? Uh, so pretty much it's like you get from rank 1 to 14, You st everyone starts at 1, and then you get put into like a bracket system. Okay. So like whoever gets the most honor in a week gets it put into a bracket. Bracket 1, or well, technically bracket 14, gives you the most points, and then pr gradually gets worse. So it'll be like 7 people in like a large server at bracket 1 kind of thing okay at the top bracket they'll get the most points and then you rank up to 14 to so, get the so best the, the, gear. rank 14 is that a pv thing p thing in game or is it something yeah. outside of game no no, no in game uh, rank 14 is like a you get like a title high warlord or grand okay. marshal okay and it gives you the gear pretty much okay okay so but so so but the rank is determined by the amount of honor and honor can just be yeah. grinded right yeah yeah pretty much like people bought it like all the time like people just live in Altrack valley and just afk all the time okay <laughs> it's literally just who plays the most okay and and is that fun um oddly enough yes but i've kind of got like a like a ladder addiction like when i see my name go up on a ladder mm -hmm. i get happier okay and when it goes down i get <laughs> worse it was the same in league okay like if i saw myself like getting lower rank I wasn't as happy, but if I was going, I was happy. So, okay, just an addiction thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, I'm kind of curious about that. When you say happy, what does that mean? Um, I guess it's like a progress thing. Like when you see progress, you get happier. Like I guess it's kind of the same. If you get a promotion at work, you're happier. Mm -hmm. You get a promotion in league, I'm happier. If I okay. go up a rank, I'm happy. <laughs> and and so it sounds like you're able to get a lot of happiness through. 
ranking up to an, to an extent and then you realize like you're not this is all like just a virtual thing it's like you don't get any real life benefits from it i guess how do you realize that when does that happen um pretty much when i talk to the people that i went to school with and they're talking about things that they've gained irl like you know like they just bought a new car or that kind of thing and then how does that make you feel um not the best kind of like i'm wasting time i guess so okay um so you feel like you're wasting time when you're talking to your friends no wasting time when i'm playing a whole little wow when i'm yeah, not but doing when, something when do you feel the <clears throat> feeling of wasting time um yeah i guess that's when i talk to my friends and i i realize that if i compare myself to pretty much the average person they don't have a lot of the life skills that they have or a lot of the experiences in life that they have mm -hmm. so it's all my experiences pretty much comes from my games okay hmm. i'm just thinking a little bit about your brain yeah <laughs> And the interesting thing is that, you know, you know, if you present your brain with something that makes you feel happy and then you present it with something that makes you feel bad, mm -hmm. your brain is going to gravitate towards the thing that makes you feel happy. Yeah. Right. We don't yeah. walk around punching ourselves in the face because that's painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so if I think about it without what, what I, I would imagine that your brain is actually telling you to play more video games and telling you to talk to your friends less. Yeah, yeah, pretty much to an extent. That's pretty much how it goes. Like, I, I used to play a lot of League when it was, like, a thing that I could play with my school friends and then kind of gravitated away from it when WoW came out and it's less so of, like, a friend grind and more of, like, a solo grind. Like, if I can stay up for, like, 20 hours and just play it all the time, then I get the feeling of being happy in the progression aspect in mm -hmm. games mm -hmm. while not getting reminded of the whole they're progressing in life thing <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and and that too is kind of tricky because i i think sometimes our brain doesn't know the difference between i mean so the reason that we feel like progressing so just think about this for a second the reason mm -hmm. that you feel like progressing like how does that work how do you have any idea how you're you like how do you how does a human being feel like they're progressing like what's the circuitry <clears throat> or mechanism behind that any idea um, I guess it's, uh, I don't really know like the scientific way, obviously, but I mean, I guess it's just like the, the emotional value that comes with not being where you previously were, I guess. Yep. But so, you know, being somewhere that you weren't feeling, I don't know, up, I yep. guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a sense of progress, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and where do you think this is going to sound like kind of a silly question, but where in your body does that sense of progress come from? <clears throat> like what part um, of you? Pretty much just the chest. Like oh, I okay. feel I feel a lot more whole, I guess. Mm -hmm. Kind of sad to say, I think, but it's I feel a lot more like, accomplished. Yeah. Like just to know that if I walk around like the main city, that I'm a higher rank than pretty much like every player. Yeah. So it just feels better. <laughs> yeah, and and so. You know, it's kind of interesting because we, we, we think about addiction. Um, and, you know, a lot of times, like, we think about addiction as a bad thing, right? Mm. Like, do you think that your addiction to video games is a bad thing? I do, yeah. Why? Because there's a lot more... Um, 
efficient things I could be doing with my life, I guess. Like, like what? this is a very temporary thing. Whereas, like, if I look at, like, a friend, for example, who's working maybe, like, 40-hour weeks at, like, maybe not the best job, but he's getting money and he's gaining life skills. He's updating, like, he's getting something that's good for his CV. Whereas I'm getting titles in a game and, you know. <laughs> why why do you say his thing is, is more efficient than yours? Because it helps him more in the long run. I don't think that my addiction helps me in the long run. Other than maybe competitiveness and how, like a ladder how addiction. How does your addiction help you? Does it help you at all? Um, yeah, I mean, in the in the current time, it pretty much helps me with just feeling whole. I feel a bit happier while playing more, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. So why do you say that his? I mean, so let me just let me just think <clears throat> about this for a second. So I could go to a job that I don't like very much, for the purpose of getting something on my CV. Which also mm -hmm. putting together a CV doesn't make you feel whole or accomplished. It's just boring ass work. Yeah. And and then, or I can feel whole and happy and accomplished through playing a video game. Why would I want to do the former instead of the latter? Because I feel like I don't know. I see I see a lot of things as like a grind, like my mm -hmm. WoW grind, and then there's like the IRL grind, kind of like mm -hmm. if you're working like a nine to five job. Monday to Friday, you might not be in the happiest state, but it's the fact that you can know that it's maybe leading towards the right thing. Like you've Do got you a know reference. That it's leading towards the right thing? Well, it updates a CV. It gives you maybe a good reference. If you do your best, then it can it can lead to the right thing if you do it the right way. Obviously, if it's if I'm doing a job that I'm absolutely depressed during and I have really bad work ethic, then it might not be a good thing. Mm -hmm. Do you have a job? But I don't. Why do you think that is? Um, because if I get rejection, I pretty much fall back to WoW, or I fall back to games. Um, and the fear of rejection pretty much stops me from putting my CV out there, and that kind of thing. And it just keeps me playing WoW. What do you mean by <clears throat> rejection? Um, say if I go to a job interview, I think I did okay, and then I don't hear back anything at all then it's like you get that kind of sinking feeling that you thought you were doing well, but you're not. And then it's the kind of just like the kick back into the middle of the hole. Like you, you climb your way out to actually stomach it, to actually go to the interview with like a pretty bad social anxiety. Um, so stomach it to actually get out of my house and mm -hmm. go to the interview, do the interview. And then not getting a reply or anything like that, it's kind of just like a kick in the face, back to the hole, back to 20 hours a while a day. <laughs> Yeah, uh, absolutely, man. I mean, I, so so this is why I was kind of confused because you say like, you know, getting a job and working on your CV, you know it leads to something. But what I'm hearing from you is actually quite the opposite. I, I think what I'm hearing from you is that like trying to do something in the real world, actually, you know, it's going to kick you back in the hole. Like that's what you know. The thing is, I feel like if I put more into it, it might not kick me back in the hole. If I was able to... Really? I, I mean, mean, it sounds like it sounds like you put a lot into it. It sounds like you you really have a lot. Like you, you have these feelings of of rejection and fear of rejection. Sounds like you kind of feel socially anxious, and it actually you're you're putting a lot into it every time you go out for a job interview. I feel that's the thing though. I feel like I could be doing it more. Like that's that's where I think the addiction comes into place because I I know that I could be doing it more, but it's just the you constant. You know, you could like, be doing what more? 
putting more effort into finding a job or putting more effort into that kind of thing. I mean, I think that makes sense theoretically. But mm. what I'm hearing from you is like, let's just think about this for a second. Let's think about your brain, right? Yep. So like your brain, you like overcome a lot of these like social anxieties and fears of rejection. And then you go out into the world and you apply for a job. And what happens? Uh, don't get anything. Like no response. So the next time you apply for a job, so you've been rejected one more time, right? So what happens to the fear of your rejection every time you get rejected? Theoretically, I guess it would get, it feels like the social anxiety and things like that get easier, but I don't know. No, no, forget about theoretically. Let's talk about you. What happens to your fear of rejection every time you get rejected? Gets larger. Absolutely. Right. So so let's think about this because I don't think it gets easier. I think let's trust you. Let's forget about theory. okay? because theory leads us to stupid answers. Let's trust you. So like if I. If I. Get on a horse and and I start riding the horse and the horse throws me off and I break an arm. And then I get back on the horse again and then I go riding again. It throws me off and I break a leg. Like, what happens to my fear of the horse every time the horse tosses me off? It's just going to go worse. (laughs) Absolutely, right? And that's what it feels like. It doesn't get easier. It actually gets harder. Every time you get rejected, the sense of rejection grows. Hmm. And so what is your brain going to do if you're getting rejected over and over again and feeling bad about yourself? Shut down and give in to habits. (laughs) Not give in to habits. Very Hmm. important. Scott, I want you to realize this. It's not giving in to anything. It's actually learning. Okay. Right? Giving in presumes that like you're like it's failing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Giving in sounds like a yeah, failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're not actually failing. Your brain is actually trying to help you out. It's succeeding. It's learning. Yeah. It's helping you by telling you, hey Scott, don't apply for a fucking job because all you all it does is hurt you. Hurt you. Yeah. It's almost like you have a an abusive relationship with life and yeah. you're like you know, you're the person who keeps on going back to their abusive partner, even though they get beat. And mm. your brain is telling you that, hey, life is abusive because every time you try to live life, what happens, Scott? Get kicked. <laughs> Absolutely, right? As you put yeah. it, you get kicked back in the hole. So what do you think about that? It's really easy to just play WoW all day. <laughs> Absolutely. And why is it really easy to play WoW? Because it's a really easy escape. It's it's where I feel maybe not escape bad word. <laughs> Good. Why uh, is yeah. it a bad word? Because that kind of makes it feel like I'm losing. I guess. Yeah. So it's not an escape. What is it? Um, comfort. Sure. I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. So I'd say it's almost like a strategy to do what for you. To just stay comfortable, not put myself into any kind of emotionally harming situations and just stay where I'm comfortable and happy. Yeah, so I don't like the word comfort because that too has a value judgment, right? If, right. if someone decides to stay comfortable, we like judge them and we say like, oh, you should put yourself out there push, more. Push for more. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I like the word happy because I think that's closer to the truth. I also like the word protects, protect. Yeah. So it feels protective to me. It's like yeah. tanking. Like gaming is the way that your brain tanks the bad stuff in life. What do you think about that? It makes sense because it kind of shelters me from everything else, which is what Tank does. So, Absolutely, right? And yeah. is that a bad thing? I don't necessarily think so. 
Why not? I, mean, I think it's because I think everyone should have something that tanks the kind of like the harmful things in life from you. Absolutely. So, right? Yeah. So then what do we do about that? I don't know. <laughs> I'll be honest, I, I'm not really sure. That's a great answer, That's... man. It's <laughs> a fantastic answer. Um, yeah, I'm not so sure, but I'm hoping we can try to figure something out. Yeah, me too, me too. So I think the first thing to understand is that I want you to stop thinking about gaming as an addiction. Okay. Because like an addiction is a negative thing. It's something that you have to overcome. And And what am I trying to like when I'm walking you to interpret things in a particular way, like what am I trying to do? Like how am I pushing you towards like thinking about gaming? As it is like a, I don't know that it's a healthy thing that it's, that it is good for me at the moment. But I, I mean, I, yeah, I don't think you've messaged that at the yeah. moment, but I think for me, it's a good thing at the moment. But, yeah. yeah. So, so I think healthy and good for you also imply certain value judgments, right? So I don't think that your yeah. gaming is healthy. I think it yeah. is protective. Protective. Yeah. Right. So, so I think that a lot of the stuff that you said in terms of sort of <clears throat> being behind in life and stuff like that, I think all that stuff makes sense. I think you yeah. should play less than 18 to 20 hours of wow a day. And I also think that you don't play just because you're addicted. I think you play because your brain has two options. It's kind of like we can do this one thing that leads to uncertain like progress, which is like apply for a job and work on our CV because you say that you know that's going to make your future better. I don't think your brain understands that. And I don't because I don't think that that's fair because what has your CV done for you, Scott? Yeah, pretty much nothing <laughs> right so then here's the thing your brain is smart your brain is working for you and so mm. your brain is like scott why the fuck are we working on this cv it's never gotten you anything instead right. we've got this other thing that gives you happiness accomplishment and feeling whole like why would you ever want to work on your cv when you can get yeah. all of those things here and all your cv ever gets you is more sadness <laughs> exactly yeah so it's not an addiction. Uh, it's actually a protective mechanism. What was that? It was a big sigh. What do you think? Yeah, I just, just like a realization thing because it does make sense. Like, because uh, it's like, I feel like a lot of people aren't necessarily happy with their jobs, but they do it because they know that they have to. And like, I'm in a pretty fortunate situation where I don't really necessarily need income right now. So it's, I feel like I'm lucky, but I feel like I could be doing better, which is the sigh, I think. <laughs> but it's, yeah, just a realization sigh, I guess. Yeah, that you could be doing better. What does that mean? Um, I mean, I could be living independently. I could be getting income, buying the things that I want, that kind of thing. I guess. Sure, you could be doing better. What does your brain? What is, how does your brain feel about that? It wants to play well. <laughs> yeah, how but, does it feel about doing better? Um, anxious, I guess. Like, because it obviously the thought of doing better obviously means I'm striving to actually better myself, which in itself makes me feel quite anxious. Does your so. brain care about bettering yourself? Um, I guess directly not, but that's correct. Yeah. Brain doesn't give a shit. Brain doesn't understand <laughs> bettering yourself. That's your mind. Yeah. Those are your intentions, but the <laughs> brain is like, like if you think about it, like that's why we have to fight against ourselves. Like when we exercise, right? If you go out and you try to exercise, your brain is like, "What? 
what are we doing? What the fuck? Yeah. This is stop. Yeah, yeah. Like you're just you're running, but there's no reason to run. There's no there's no purpose. Yeah, so our yeah. brain is is kind of the idea of bettering yourself is not something. There's no like neuroscience circuit about bettering yourself. There is a circuit yeah. around progress, right? And the tricky thing is that we have a circuit that, and <clears throat> the problem is that part of our brain can't tell the difference between progress in the real world and progress in a virtual world. Right. Right. So like you could also argue that if you trade stocks during the day and you see a number on a computer screen go up, we can think of that as progress, but the stimulus for the brain is exactly the same, whether you're seeing the honor go up or the number in your bank account go up in that moment. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. It's just a number on a screen. Both of them are just a number on a screen. We yeah. tend to, as a society, attribute more value to one than the other, and I don't think that that's a mistake. But our brain yeah. is just like, hey, we're doing better. And that's mm. a very, very deeply wired circuit of our brain. That sort of, right. if, you, if you think about it, like, you know, kids fall, and then they get back up and they walk again. Yeah. And they keep on failing over and over and over again. But it's that, that sort of strive, it's something called intent to mastery. So we all right. have this baked-in part of our brain that kind of, like, tries to get better at stuff. And right. wants to see progress. And it doesn't care whether it's learning how to throw a ball or standing up and walking or, you know, grinding on. Whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, where does the sense of better come from? Tell me about that. Meaning, like, doing better in life or? Yeah, like, why do you want to do better? Because um, I don't want to be a dropkick for my life, pretty much. And, like, I kick? don't want to, uh, pretty much, like, someone just does nothing, like, living on like social benefits and stuff like that i guess Why like i don't want to be do um i want to study i want to raise a family i want to provide i want to do all those things so that i can i don't know if it's like leave a mark on the world or whatever it is but like i want to do something that's like actually means something rather than just what does that mean gain um in like a I guess like to provide like I don't know I want there to be someone who actually understood like this person did something in life I don't know why that is I don't know if that's like a deeply lodged thing in people's brains but it's something that I want to do I want to like have my kids know that they had like a dad who cared for them and wanted to do something in his life and like actually wanted to do things I guess So, so what is it that you want can you say that again uh, to have people be proud of me, I guess that kind of thing. Yeah. Can I just think for a second? Yeah, of course. So I, I just want to point something out. So I think there's a difference between what you want and the ways in which your mind comes up with fulfilling that want. So you said right. something about having a family and, and being successful and, and having a job and stuff like that. You said that these are all the things that you want. That's what <clears> you mean by better because I was asking about yeah. better. But what yeah. I think the really core of it, I think those are all pictures of this mm. sense of being proud. Right. Does that make sense? I think what you really yeah, want yeah, is for people to look at you and say like, hey, that's, a, that's an awesome person. And if we think about it, you, you know, when you think about what games protect you from, what is the main thing that they protect you from? Um, you kind of mentioned the word a couple of times. I, but there's one word that I guess kind of, like 
sadness? Uh, I don't think it's sadness. Protects me from... What drives you into games more than anything else? Uh, happiness. Uh, what negative thing? What 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 is? Uh, let me put it this way: What is? What are games tanking from? Like, what are they tanking? Uh, damage to the real world. Uh, I can't remember the word I used. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you've uh, mentioned rejection several times. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So like, for me, the thing that seems to float to the surface out of everything you've said is rejection. Yeah. What do you yeah, think that's about that? Accurate. Is that the main thing that uh, they tank? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. So, what do you think is the relationship between? wanting people to be proud of you and rejection if any are those two things connected um i feel like most people will go through rejection in their life and that they'll you kind of just have to tank through it and that i don't know if those are like directly connected though okay fair enough yeah um okay so let's think through this right so you have to tank through it, but games tank rejection, right? Yeah. And as long as that rejection is there and it's big, you're going to need to tank it. So there yeah. are two things that you can do. You can tank damage or you can do what? Do damage. <laughs> you can it. do damage, absolutely. Yeah. Or... Heal so if, if, if you're a rogue, right, in WoW, yeah. and you're in a raid, the, the main tank serves as protecting you from damage... What's the other, like, critical role that we're missing? Healing. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that gaming serves as a tank, but the question is, like, wh- like where is the healing in your life? Right? So if we think about re- the fear of rejection is that which keeps you into the game, playing the game. Yeah. And, and the more that we kind of, like, the more you're afraid of rejection, the more you need your tank. And tanking mm-hmm. is the game. You're the DPS. Like, what are we missing? Yeah, the healer. Like, what? heals yeah so what is it that needs to be healed um i guess the damage that comes through because of the rejection absolutely yeah right so now our question becomes when was the first time you were kicked into the pit um probably right after high school tell me about that um i pretty much i finished high school and I pretty much just did nothing for a while. Like, I didn't really know what to get into, so I was just really down and just didn't really know what to do with anything. Mm-hmm. And then I just found a couple of games to play that obviously filled the void. And then it was it was really hard to get out of that pit of playing games and being. Can I protected. just interrupt you for a second? Yeah. So you use the phrase "filling the void." Yeah. That implies to me like healing. Right? Yeah. That that implies you're fixing. If I've got a pit and I fill it in, the pit is no longer there. I don't think games yeah. filled in the void. Right. I think they boarded it up a little bit, but the void yeah, is yeah. still there. Yeah. Right? Patched okay. it up a bit. Sorry for interrupting yeah. you, but I think that... No, no, that's good. It's, cool, cool. it's a distinction good that thing I wanted to, to just catch. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so it sounds like you you said that you, were, you weren't really sure what you were doing after high school. Can you tell us a little bit yeah. more about that? Um, and then I went into like a kind of like an IT course, but I feel like I only really went into an IT course because I think it's like, I think it's just really common for people who like games to just go into IT, even though I don't have like, I don't have like a whole lot of interest in it. Sure. Like, it's just like a, I think it's just a thing that's real common. Yeah. So So, 
uh, Scott, let me just hypothesize with you for a second. So, you know, if you say that you finished high school and you felt pretty directionless, Mm. that may have been when you got knocked into the pit, but I think the pit started getting dug way before that. Probably. Does that make sense? So tell me a little bit about like, do you remember times in your life, like before you finished high school where you kind of were rejected or you dealt with rejection? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, Through high school, because we moved to this country from, I moved from England when I was pretty young and I've pretty much always had an issue with allergies and I have like eczema and like pretty bad eczema. I used to have like really, really bad eczema through high school. And I don't know if it was like the stress through school, but it was always like really 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 bad like i'd go to school like with just bad eczema off my face and things like that so i think um i don't know like how they'd be connected i guess it was just like a when i'd come i was just excited to come home and just play games because in games i just felt comfortable or protected from not having to show my face and things like that i guess yeah it was like a yeah yeah, so let's take a step back from analyzing. So let's just understand. So tell me about when when did you move from the the UK to you're in the US or what? Uh, I'm in New Zealand. Now. Oh, you're in New Zealand. Okay. So yeah. so uh, t- tell me when did you move to New Zealand? How old were you? Um, I think I was about eleven. Okay. And what yeah. was what do you remember about growing up in England? Um, not a whole lot. Um, pretty much like through England, I was just school, family. I had like two friends in England that I would like go to their house and things like that and just do stuff after school and stuff. But what was, what was home like for you when you were growing up? Um, busy. Like it was pretty much always one parent was working, one was home and they just kind of shifted in and out. Mm-hmm. But, um, my sister's a big gamer. One of my sisters is a big gamer and the other one's not. How many and my dad was a big gamer have? as well. Uh, two. Okay. Older, younger? Uh, both older. I'm the youngest. Okay. And um, what was it like? Do you remember what it was like being a kid with your sisters at, at like in England? Um, I don't have like too many like crazy memories. Mm-hmm. I guess not too nothing really like pops out as like a distinctive thing. Were you guys close? Um, yeah, yeah. It kind of shifted between the two of them. I was always closer to one than the other. I guess mm-hmm. I don't know why that was, but yeah. sure. You said your dad was a gamer. Yeah, yeah. My dad used to play a lot of games. Why did he stop? Like, uh, oh, well, he passed away last year, so... Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, yeah. Um, but he got me into, like, a lot of games. Like, hmm. he got me into, like, a lot of the RPGs that I grew up with. Like, Final Fantasy and stuff like that. Hmm. And I think he also got me into WoW. Like, when we got, like, our first computer when we moved here. Hmm. And I had a friend that played WoW at school. And it was, yeah, pretty much started from there. What's it like talking about this? Um, it's okay. I kind of... I don't think I was, like, crazy close with my dad, like, just as a whole, but talking about it feels okay, I guess. I kind of come to terms with it, I think. Come to terms with what? Just his passing, and talking about it is okay. I don't really tell people, I don't, I've never really told people, like, one-on-one, apart from, like, one or two friends, just because, I don't know, I don't really like, um, I don't know if it's, like, a selfish thing, but I don't like turning a conversation, like, all on me. Or like making people feel uncomfortable because I know that that kind of thing can make people feel uncomfortable. I guess. <laughs> Do you feel like you're burdening other people by talking about your dad? Yeah, yeah. I feel like if it's like, I don't know. I'm never gonna bring it up unless it's like topic, like 
the other time I told the only time I've told like one of my really close friends was because we were going to another funeral and until then he didn't know <clears throat> I'm gonna just think a second okay yeah yeah, yeah of course of course <laughs> What's wrong with burdening other people? Um, I guess I don't want to unnecessarily cause, like, I don't want to say, like, unhappiness, but I don't want to, like, unnecessarily like, shift a mood of, like, a room or something like that. So unless it's, like, a topical thing, I don't really want to just bring it up. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just, I feel like it can, like... If everyone's just having a good mood or like everyone's just like completely content or anything like that, I don't feel a need to bring it up, I guess. Do you miss your dad? Um yeah. From time were, to time. It's it's close? not like a not particularly. Um we had like a lot of arguments when I was young because he, he was one of the people that like really strove me to like kind of get a job and things like that. But I obviously I miss him, but <laughs> it's not like yeah. Hmm. I don't know. How did he make you feel when... Tell, tell me about those arguments. Um, they kind of shifted from different things, like multiple things, like waking up past 12 o'clock because I'd have to play until like 3 o'clock because that's when the cues were good on WoW or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, we're talking about after high school? Um, oh, no, that was recent. That was like pretty much a couple of months before I passed, I guess. Okay. Um, and then after high school, it was kind of just get a job no get a job no <laughs> kind of thing i guess mm. oh i'm trying and then it was get a job i'm trying kind of what thing, were things like between you and him during high school um for the most part they were okay like it was kind of just yeah it was there i guess same with it was like the same relationship i have with my mom which was like fine good i guess yeah was it good I'd say, yeah, it, like, because he was, like, a bit of an alcoholic, like, um, so there'd be times where it was a little bit shifty, but as a general thing, it was good. Like, I never, like, resented him or anything like that, so mm -hmm. it was, like, fine. I mean, there's a difference between fine and good. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, what I'm hearing from you is that it was okay. Yeah, yeah, pretty much it was okay. Like, like... It sounds bad to say tolerate, but it's like kind of one of the words that pops up, I guess. Yeah. What were you like, tolerating? Um, just the fact that he would come home drunk and be it would be really uncomfortable. Like, I'm not very good around drunk people, but I think that might stem from that. But I don't know. I mean, how old were you when he would come home drunk? Pretty much all the way from like 14 to like 21. <laughs> okay. Do you know any 14-year-olds that are quote-unquote good at handling drunk people? I guess, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's not really something that you can just pick up as a skill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm uh, sorry, did they not teach that to you along with history and dinosaurs? Uh, I guess not. I must have missed the class. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> so, so you said 14. What changed when you were 14? Why did he start coming home drunk then? Um, I guess that's just kind of like an early recollection. But I guess he would probably come home around like 11 o'clock. And I'd probably be in bed before that, before I was 14. So I okay. guess that's kind of just like early recollection. Would you say that you were happy growing up in England? 
Um, content. I don't really have like too many memories of England. I guess. Sure. It's kind of just. What about it's called here like merges together, kind of a blur, I guess. Yeah, for me too, too, too and everyone else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Does anything in particular pop out uh, in terms of memories? Do you have any strong memories from before you moved to New Zealand? <clears throat> um, I used to play like a lot of football and like I used to be uh, soccer. Um, I used to be like quite good, so I guess I have memories of that. Sure. Um, How did it feel to and, be good at football? Yeah, I mean, I loved it. Like, I've always been a very competitive person, so it's like, I think that's why my I love games as well. Sure. But, yeah. Do you still play football? Um, not as much as I'd like to, but um, yeah, I'll like kick around with like my niece and stuff like that. Oh, you have a niece? Yes. Older sister has two kids. How old are your ki- are your niece or nephew? Uh, oldest niece. Uh, old, yeah, oldest is seven, I think. And nephew is two and a half, I think. How's your relationship with them? Um, pretty good, honestly. Um, my nephew, like, every time I see him, he's like screaming, he's happy. Um, same with um, niece, basically. What do they call you? Uh, scatty. What? Like, scat, scatty. I don't scatty. know why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the reason I ask is because kids usually have weird names for. Yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> you know, family members. Yeah. Um. Yeah, interesting. Um, and so, what what was life for you after you moved to New Zealand? Um, I don't really know. When did your it internet kind of, start? Um, pretty much as soon as I moved here, just because when you compare England to New Zealand, one of the biggest things you see in scenery is trees, and I have like real bad hay fever, so it got real bad. Like I get like really bad eyes, like my eyes get like really bloodshot and like puffy and stuff like that mm-hmm. so i was always like real nervous going to school at first because my allergies ner- was like awful what were you nervous about uh just like appearance like because it would get really bad eczema would get really bad and then i just like wouldn't really want to go out because i felt like i looked like a puffy mess <laughs> mm-hmm. um i can sympathize with the feeling of puffy mess because i i had eczema and i still have allergies everything's just swollen yeah itchy. yeah exactly yeah Puffy mess is actually a great way to describe it. And, <laughs> and did people ever comment about your skin or your puffiness? Or um, not when I was like really new to England. Like when I was in like like primary school, like um, pretty much when I first moved here. Not really. Um, I double take a couple of cases of bullying through like maybe like thirteen, fourteen, and then again like early midway through high school. Can you tell me about thirteen, fourteen? Um, I guess it was kind of just doing schoolwork, football, and I don't know. Kind of bad with that kind of memory stuff, I guess. But what do you remember? Yeah, about being bullied or other things. Um, <clears throat> I just remember like a couple of moments of being bullied, just like. I remember, like, getting called, like, Alien and stuff like that, which was, uh, yeah, pretty weird. But, Why do I don't you know. call you Alien? I don't know. I think I, I look weird eyes because of the allergies and stuff. Oh, but, wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't really have, like, too many recollections other than that, mm-hmm. though, really. Sure. And then what about when you were a little bit older? Um, I had surgery a few times like because i've got i have like a pretty bad kidney as well 
just like a couple of health issues. Um, and I remember one time I was hospitalized for quite a while and I came out and I was a little bit chunky <laughs> and X-Men was bad. And I just kind of got bullied for that kind of stuff as well. So kind of just added to the mix. Do you remember how they made you feel? Bad. I don't really, yeah, I don't really remember like what they'd say and things like that, but um, yeah, I'm wondering I definitely avoided like, like certain parts of the school because I knew people around there hang out. That sure. I didn't like. <laughs> so how can we add a little bit more color or depth to the way that they made you feel? What do you mean, sorry? So you say they made you feel bad. Yeah. Uh, so like more descriptive. Yeah. Um, we don't have to talk about the scene. Tell me about what, if you, if you can, tell me what the yeah. feeling was like. I mean, like, the biggest thing was like outcasted, I guess. Like mm -hmm. I was definitely outcasted from like a certain group of people because... I don't know, like, obviously in high school, people hang out in groups. Did you feel and, like an outcast? Um, throughout some of the earlier years of high school, I did. And then my ex started getting a little bit better, and I started getting a bit more confidence, and realizing that there was other people who played games a lot, so it was kind of, I could just hang out with those people. So it was sure. like, okay, but, but throughout found, the earlier... You found your people. You found us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I found Twitch chat. Welcome. Welcome, brother. <laughs> feels good. Join feels us. Good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm just yeah. wondering, you know, would you say that, because I, when I think about outcasted, mm. um, you know, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting verb. It's not a verb that I hear very much. And, yeah. you know, not to, not to be a little bit too Freudian for you, but I wonder if rejected would be a similar word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would be. Some, um, pretty much feels the same, thing, I guess, yeah. Like, what feels the same? Um, just like the usage of the word, like outcasted, rejected. Like it's, yeah. Pretty much that's it. Let me ask you something. When you go to, let's say you apply for a job, when was the last time you applied for a job? Um, three weeks ago. Okay. And have you heard back? No. Do Is the feeling when you think about that or when I ask that question, even that no is not a regular no, right? It's like a <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> no. The, um... the, the feeling that you have, is that, do you, does it, does it smell or taste like what you used to feel like when kids would comment about when they would call you an alien or? Um, <clears throat> I feel like it's a little bit different because them denying me a job isn't like a hateful thing. Like I don't take it personally. Sure. It's just like a, uh, there was someone better or something else happened, which is like perfectly fine. Like, is that I how you feel? Yeah. Like if I didn't get the job, it means someone else did. Which means it was probably someone that was just more applicable or better, which is okay. But like the, the whole hateful comments and things like that was like a direct thing that was to me. So sure. They feel very different. Okay, so that that's very helpful for me to know. Thank you for sharing that. So that's then cool. let me ask you something. I, you know, if someone's if there's just a better candidate out there, being told no indirectly, I guess. So it still feels like I'm not good enough or being rejected. I see. So, so, it, so one yeah. is not being good enough. One is being persecuted or attacked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. One feels remember, more personal, the other one doesn't. Do you remember if there's anything that happened to you that made you feel not good enough growing up? Um, I can't really think of anything in particular. Sure. Can you tell me about what it was like when your dad would come home drunk? Uh, hide in my room. <laughs> like for the most part like if I was on the computer like I knew I would duck away before like 10.30 and then just hide in my room and play my phone or something or on a console 
because we had like a computer in like family room. Why would have, you like, hide? Weird... Because it was just uncomfortable. <laughs> what was like, uncomfortable uh, about it? Being in the same room as them, basically. Like, uh, I was, I couldn't tolerate it. Like, I would just hide away. What made it difficult yeah. for you to tolerate? Uh, he wasn't like obviously they weren't not themselves when they're drunk. Like I, I've always disliked that. Like they'll be a lot louder, a lot. I guess just him in particular was like a lot louder. It was asking. I don't know if it's like asking uncomfortable questions. I don't really remember any in particular, but I just remember I was feeling very uncomfortable if I was in the room. I guess. Mm-hmm. But can't think of any like any super in particular ones. I guess. Hmm. I'm trying to get a sense of of so I mean. I'm trying to understand what what it was that made you uncomfortable. Like it makes perfect sense to me that you were uncomfortable. Like, yeah. Because you know, fourteen year olds tend to be uncomfortable around drunk people. Yeah, yeah. But what was it, right? So some people will be judgmental. Yeah. I guess it's, I guess it can be things like that. Like he would, like come in and just like, it's just like a little comment. Like they'd say just like a little comment. Like shouldn't you be in bed? Why are you still playing the games? You play the games too much, kind of thing. I guess uh-huh. those kind of things would, uh-huh. kind of just make me think. I don't even want to talk about this. I'm just going to go. Mm-hmm. But, so, let me ask you something, Scott. Um, yeah. You know, when someone comments something like that, what? How do you think that? The, so, if I have, you know, if I, I told my kid, shouldn't you be doing this? Shouldn't you be doing that? How do you think yeah. that that that? What emotions do you think that my kid would be feeling if I asked those kinds of questions? It feels like you're not. I don't. Know, I want to say like accepting them from what they they are or what they're doing. I guess. Sure. Would you say that it would make them feel like they're not good enough? Yeah. Yeah. Is that how your dad made you feel? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> like when I, because he was like a big football player as well. Well, like, loved, like, he was like big into me playing football as well. So, like, when I kind of stopped because Saturday, obviously, like, big day on WoW, usually. And, like, just fun to do stuff, like, with your school friends, play league with school friends and stuff like that. So, like, when I didn't want to go to, like, all the trainings and, like, all the matches, he wasn't particularly happy about that. I don't remember, like, a specific argument or anything about it, but I do remember, like, a bit of uh, not supportiveness. That's not a word, but yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I I like it when people use things that are not real words. (laughs) Because I think that actually gets closer to an authentic feeling. Yeah. What that tells me is that you're feeling something that you don't have words to describe, but you're trying to create words to capture the feeling. Yeah, yeah. So not supportiveness. So it sounds like there were kind of two things. One is, is so it sounds like your dad was pretty judgmental. I'd say so, yeah. Yeah. And, and generally speaking, I think one of the effects of, of being ju- you know, judgmental is that you make people feel like they're not good enough. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, yeah. Is that, does, is that closer to the way that you feel in terms of when you apply to a job? Like we talked a little bit about bullying and persecuted. You said it yeah. doesn't quite feel the same. It feels it feels a lot more closer to like direct bullying, I guess, because it's like the two things kind of correlate with not being good enough. Oh, interesting. So you're saying that mm. that your dad, the the flavor of the feeling that your dad evoked, is actually <clears throat> similar to bull- bullying. Uh, oh no, it's more similar to um, denial of a job. Oh, it it's more bullying. similar. Okay, so that, that, yeah. yeah. I was 
because it sounds, no, sorry, it sounds really bad that bad. Right? <laughs> yeah. So have you watched our streams before? Yeah, like pretty much all of them. Okay, so do you know what a sumscar is? I can't remember the descriptive word, but I kind of have it in my brain. Sure. <laughs> What's in your brain? You, I get all of them kind of mixed up. Sure. Like sumscar, dharma, things like that. Yeah. Um, no problem. So descriptive word is not my best. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, yeah. What am I digging for? You get the sense I'm digging? A little bit. <laughs> what am I digging for? Um, I'm not sure in particular. Um, like what it is exactly that you're digging for. Okay. But I can tell you're looking for something though. Yeah. <laughs> but I... Yeah. So let me let me just be a little bit more transparent. Okay. Uh, root of the problem. Sure. Yeah. Um, and what do you think about that? Do you think there is a root? I mean, I'd say so. It might be like a collective of things, but I'd say... Yeah, like, what do you think is in that collective? Um, being denied at multiple things, or like, um, yeah, not being... What's the word? Rejected at multiple things, I guess. Mm -hmm. That have just led to a whole bunch of covering myself up with... Like, patching myself up with like a bunch of like games and stuff like that, I guess. Sure. Is there any rejection that you felt that is particularly painful? Um, I don't really think so. I don't think there was like one in particular that like, you know, broke everything. Yep. But I'm yeah. getting that sense as well. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes when, when I talk to people, we find sort of like a root of a problem and we're able to yeah. kind of like notice it and evoke it. And then oftentimes yeah. they have a very like emotional response on, on stream. Is that something that you're looking for? Hoping for? Not really. I more so just want to understand. Sure. I think. So like, what, I don't... I'm, what I'm getting the sense is that, just like you said, I don't think you have one thing. Mm. I think you've got a lot of little things. Yeah. And, you know, if we think a little bit about tanking versus healing, I think you've got a couple of things. Um, let me just think about this for a second. So I think there are a couple of things going on. So the first is that gaming is sort of the boards above the pit. Yeah. Right? But the pit got there somehow to begin with. Yeah. So generally speaking, I, I don't know how else to describe this, but I'd say about 30 to 40% of gamers who I've worked with actually had an alcoholic, problem, alcoholic parent. Right. So I don't know exactly how that relates. And I think it's... I also don't think... I mean, I don't... Did your dad just suddenly develop a drinking problem when, he, when you were 14? Uh, or? No, it's pretty much always like I remember like situations I found like going to the bar like when I was in England and stuff like that. Yeah, so so I think something changes in terms of when you have a parent who's an alcoholic and the way that they relate to their children, and something right. about the way that they relate to their kids makes children less confident. And and now yeah. I'm going to sort of try to explain kind of academically. Yeah. So, um, or let me actually ask you this: How does a child become confident? Um, kind of a big question, I guess. Uh, sure. So don't answer theoretically. Just start saying whatever comes to your mind. You're gonna you're gonna have a lot of wrong answers, but I'm sure you know the right answer, and we'll get you there. I'd say just like building confidence within like success. Like if I was successful at school, I'd have more confidence. Like. Like sure. So I, I like the phrase building. Yeah. And and the interesting thing is I don't think it just comes from success. 
right? So right. how does like so? Let me put it to you this way: like, in a weird way, how, hmm, let me just think about how to ask this. So how did you know to go to your room <clears throat> when your dad came home drunk? Because it was an uncomfortable feeling that I wanted to avoid. Sure. Like, and and in a sense, you could say that going to your room, you could be confident in that strategy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it's a pretty reliable strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so how does how does one learn like what's the, a reliable strategy? How does one develop? I'm not talking about like confidence, <clears throat> even on the level of like, oh, I'm a confident person. I'm talking about generally speaking, like the idea of confidence, right? So what is confidence? It's it's like taking an action and being somewhat like confident, confident. about the result, yeah. right? Like it's being yeah, sort of yeah. assured about the result. So like, where does that come from? Like, how can you be confident that going to your room is like the right thing to do when your dad comes home drunk? Um, I don't know if it really applies to the whole going to your um, room thing, but I guess trial and error is like a good way to do it. Absolutely. Right. So if we think about it, what leads to better confidence? Like trying, trying things. And then also like consistency of outcome. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like if you go yeah, to your room and then like he shows up, every now and then and like drags you downstairs, then what's going to be your confidence about going to your room as a solution? A lot lower. So confidence, oddly enough for children comes from order. Okay. Does that make sense? It has nothing to do with yeah. success or failure. It has to do with order. So like, right. like a, a confident child, like, so, so, you know, like a child becomes confident in walking when mm -hmm. they start to be able to predict the outcomes of their walking. Right. Does that make sense? And they yeah, also like have have confidence in parents because until they walk, like if they know if okay, if I hold hands, then I can be confident that I walk because I'm unstable on my own. Yeah. But if I'm holding an adult's hand, then I'll be able to walk fine. So can right. you see how they become confident in holding an adult's hand and then gradually yeah, over yeah. time they become yeah. confident in walking without hands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, what do you think it does for the order of a child's universe if they have a parent that drinks? Well, there's no stability, really. Like, they, like, it's two different people, right? Like, he comes on one person, is another person in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. So what what does that do for a child's confidence? Well, they don't have the consistency, so they don't have the same thing over and over again, I guess. Yeah. It, it, uh, Scott, do you ever get um, worried that you're going to fall into the sky when you step outside of your room? When you step out, outside of your house? That's like a metaphor, I guess? No. Yeah. Practically, oh. do you worry that you're just oh. gonna fall into the sky and and shoot out into space? I mean, I I guess I've never had that feeling, but yeah, huh? So it sounds like in your world, gravity always goes one direction. Yeah, I guess that's just what I've been taught, though. <laughs> yeah, so, so I guess yeah. so. You're confident. You're very, very confident in the direction of gravity because it always goes right. one yeah. way, right? <laughs> yeah. So like, what what you're describing to me is that you get gravity that goes both ways when you're a kid, in terms right. of your parents. Right. So you mm -hmm. have you have a dad that sometimes he's one person. So it's like gravity goes in this direction. And then other mm -hmm. times gravity goes in this direction. Right. And like, can you imagine how anxiety provoking it would be if we did not if know just... which gra direction gravity went? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can imagine. Do you, if I if gravity sometimes went up and sometimes went down, how confidently do you think I would move through life? Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Right. Why? Because there's no consistency. You don't know what's going to happen. 
Yeah. So when we think about you in an alcoholic parent, like like tie things together for me. What am I trying to say? Oh, that I don't like. I don't have the consistency. I don't have that reliability. I guess of him being there. But I don't. I don't know if I'm not seeing the connection though. Like I don't. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so the first thing is in terms of, so if we think about a fear of rejection, right? Right. So like fear of rejection tends to be, can also be correlated with a lack of confidence. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like the confident person can handle rejection better. And yeah. in fact, the way that you talked about your job three weeks ago actually sounds relatively confident. Right. Like people just say like, oh, someone else was better qualified than I was. Like it's no personal insult to you. You don't feel bad about it. It's just the way of the world. Yeah. Is that how you feel about your last job or application? I guess so. It's, um, I don't know if it's just like <laughs> numb to like the consistency of like being told no or like not hearing anything or what it is, but. Sure. Um, so it sounds yeah. like it's a little bit complicated in terms a little of how bit, you yeah, feel towards it. Yeah. So here's kind of the point that I'm making. So first of all, the whole comes from somewhere. So let's actually try to sort of give us, give you a, a brief summary. Okay. So if mm -hmm. you're addicted to video games, right? Mm -hmm. um, and by the way, any questions so far? No, I think I'm following pretty okay. Like, okay. Um... So I'm going to try to summarize. Okay. So you're addicted to video games. So the first thing to understand is that video games are not a problem. They're okay. a solution. Okay. What do you think about that? I'd say it makes sense. What um, makes sense about it? The fact that they're all like it's consistent. Like it's always pretty much always going to be there. If you're not having a good day, you can go home and play games, which means they're a solution. Like, but at the same time, what I do think that. You... Yeah, Sorry, go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Uh, I do think you can kind of get addicted to a solution. Like, if you have something that's like really consistent and keeps you happy, I think you can still cling to that feeling. Absolutely right. So th this is also true of other addictions. So like, yeah, is yeah. heroin a problem? Absolutely. Is video ga are yeah. video games a problem? Absolutely. Is playing WoW 20 hours a day a problem? Absolutely. <laughs> and they're also, I, I don't want you to think about it just as an addiction, just as a negative thing, but I want you to realize that it is a solution for your brain because it right. solves a problem that you have. Yeah, it does. And the yeah. problem that you have is what? Playing it too much. Oh, I know. No, no. That's, uh... That's the solution. Well, yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> so what what does it tank? What does it tank for you? I guess it tanks rejection and failure. Yeah. So it sounds like rejection and failure are the main feelings of yours that it tanks from. Yeah. So now we kind of go to so the first thing that I just want everyone to understand is that gaming is adaptive and protective and is actually a solution to another problem. Now that yeah. solution can become maladaptive. So maladaptive is like when we do something and it sort of like works in the short term. But over time, it becomes maladaptive. So it starts to cause problems, even though it was adaptive at one point. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, so does, I think yeah. rather than solution or problem, I like the phrase adaptive or maladaptive. Uh -huh. And the best example of something that's, that's maladaptive that I like to use is, um, so you know what uh, hypertension or high blood pressure is? Yeah. So do you have any idea? So if I have a blood vessel and my heart is pumping... And yep. if I have high pressure in that blood vessel, do you know what has to, what the heart has to do? Do you have any idea? Like, how do you I'm overcome sure a, that. like if, if I have a high amount of resistance hmm. and I'm trying to push something into that resistance, what do I have to do? 
release stress release or yeah so so releasing the resistance would be one thing the other thing is that you can push harder okay. right so actually it's funny because that's one of the ways that high blood pressure medications work is they reduce the resistance oh. but okay. one thing that you can actually do so like basically like when you have a high pressure system so what happens is you have like arteries mm -hmm. and then if i in the the job of the heart is to pump blood into the artery right yeah. and if i clamp down on the artery what is what does the heart have to do push through the clamp exactly or, yeah. so it has yeah. to push harder so yeah. the greater the resistance if i like if i'm lifting weights and i increase the resistance of the weight what do, what do my muscles have to do build up and push through it exactly and that is exactly yeah. what the heart does so the heart right. starts to grow when you have high blood pressure so the okay. heart just like your biceps or triceps or, or pectorals or whatever like anytime yeah. a muscle hits high resistance, it grows, it builds up. And then the okay. heart gets bigger and bigger and bigger as it mm. deals with higher and higher and higher pressure. Now, the interesting pressure. thing about the heart is that, you know, there's like, there's a bunch of muscle and, you know, the yeah. heart is filled with blood. So the muscle needs blood to nourish it, right? Yeah, yeah, So yeah, you yeah. have these like three arteries that go outside the heart and they feed sort of the outside of the heart. And then you've right. got blood on the inside of the heart. So the blood from the inside kind of feeds the top half of the heart. The blood from the outside feeds the bottom half of the heart. And what do you think happens if, if the heart expands? Everything else expands or is the... What happens to the blood flow? So like if I'm getting blood from here and I'm getting blood from here, what yeah. happens to the stuff in the middle? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> it doesn't like... get blood. Right. Because like there's blood coming from here and there's blood coming from here. And if I... Let me put it to you this way. If I have... Um, you know, if I <clears throat> pour water on something like, let's say a piece of, like, let's say a card, a piece of cardboard, if I sprinkle yep. a little bit of water on top and I sprinkle a little bit of water on the bottom, mm. like the whole cardboard is going to get wet. Yeah. Okay. If I increase the thickness of the cardboard 10 times and I sprinkle a little bit of water on top, sprinkle a little bit of water on bottom, what happens to the middle of the cardboard? Does it get wet? Stays dry. Stays dry. Right. Exactly. So that's exactly what happens to the heart. So as the heart grows, so the mm. heart is trying to adapt to the high pressure system by growing. And right. then eventually what happens is it grows so big that it actually, the heart can't get blood because okay. there's blood coming from the top and blood coming from the bottom. But the thing is so big, the middle of the heart, quote unquote, stays dry, just like you said. Okay. And yep. if it stays dry, that means it doesn't get nourishment and it starts to die. Yep. And this is something called congestive heart failure. So in the mm -hmm. same way, uh, sorry for that, you know, medical analogy that no, was no, no, yeah, yeah. too complicated. But um, what I want you to understand is that gaming for you was a short-term solution that has yeah. now caused you to become a different kind of person, and that solution is no longer working. Right. But to, what you really need to understand is that gaming really is a tank for you, and what it's tanking in your case, I think, is some sense of good enough or like being sensitive to rejection, a lack right. of confidence in who you are. So every rejection hurts. So yeah. I want you to just think about this for a second that like, you know, if you're confident in who you are, like, let, mm. let's say that I'm confident in who I am. I ask a girl out and she says, no, how does that affect me? You might lose some confidence. Yeah. And if I have no confidence and she says, no, how does that affect me? It might shatter you. <laughs> exactly. What happens yeah. every time uh, you, you don't get a, a yes from a job? Um, I'd say it shatters me a little bit, but. I've Absol built some resistance, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? So you've built some resistance to it, which is also very good. Mm. Like, it's good that you notice that. That, too, is sort of an adaptation. 
And what is your mm. resistance? Let's just think about this for a second. How have you become resistant to shattering? Because you didn't say it hurts you a little bit. You said it shatters you a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> what is the nature uh, I, of that resistance? Consistency. Like, because, I mean, I've been doing it for a while now. Yep. So it's like, yeah, I've kind of built. So I, I would venture that you've learned how to numb yourself from it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Right? So that too is going to be maladaptive. So I've okay. asked you a lot of questions. I think it's, it's a little bit difficult for you to access your feelings. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that? I said it's pretty true. Yeah, right? So, like, what's up with that? I think it's because you've learned how to numb yourself from rejection. Because my sense is that inside the trap door of your subconscious, there is a whole pile of, like, feeling like a shitty human being. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. (laughs) And and where is that sensation throughout the day? Um, Hiding behind the bridge that is games. (laughs) Absolutely. Beautifully put, right? So that too is like when we try to do, when I ask you some kind of these exploratory questions, like it's, you know, you're kind of like, I'm getting shades of gray, but I'm not getting a whole lot of color. Like you would say like, okay, how did your dad make you feel? Like you say uncomfortable. Like, you you know, that's, you know, I I completely agree that he made you feel uncomfortable, but uncomfortable is sort of like a shallow term. It's not like, you know, did did he make you, yeah. So did he make you feel ashamed? Did he make, make you, were you frightened of him? Were you right. angry with him? There are all those kinds of things that kind of fall under uncomfortable. Yeah. So kind of just going back to our analogy. So like, I think gaming is adaptive, right? So it tanks. Mm. So this is the, yeah. the floorboards over the pit. And then mm. that pit comes from somewhere. So in your case, I'm not sure exactly where it comes from, but so we sort of hypothesize maybe it comes from bullying. It sounds like it doesn't come from bullying. Mm. It sounds like the feeling that is closer is actually the feeling that like something around the way that your dad made you uncomfortable right is that fair or not really i'd say in a way um but i'm not really 100 percent certain which is sure so what are the yeah yeah one of the what i think one of the primary reasons that i really wanted to come on here and talk to you was pretty much so i can get a bit more understanding of that so i can kind of at least get a little bit more knowledge on what it might be Yep. Yes. So I, I think I'm not sure if it's partially your dad or other things, and we can give this another shot. Okay. Like I'm, mm-hmm. we can continue talking after my summary. But the first thing yep. is that gaming is an adaptive, is adaptive, and mm-hmm. is actually a solution. The second thing is that it protects you from the pit, but the pit was dug somewhere else. We yeah. haven't quite been able to figure out. It sounds like it's not bullying. Maybe it has something to do with your dad. Maybe not. And that ultimately your solution is going to be twofold. One is to try to fill in the pit because if you can deal with that underlying sense of rejection mm-hmm. or that lack of confidence, and that too, your yeah. lack of confidence may come from the disorder of your childhood. Right. Because like that kid, like when you just don't know, like it's really hard to have, I mean, just think about this for a second. Like how difficult is it for a child who has like Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde for a parent? I'm not familiar with the two people. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so boomer reference. So okay. let me put it this way. Like, you know, like who's, who's another good example of someone who's got like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of it because Clark Kent and Superman <laughs> is not really a good example, but um, who's a good Twitch chat. Help me out. Hold on. I'm going to turn to Twitch chat. <laughs> Two-Face? Two-Face? Hulk? So- yeah, I know Hulk. Yeah. Hulk. 
yeah, I don't know. Harvey Dent Two-Face? Eh. You familiar with Harvey? Yeah, let's go with Two-Face. Yeah. Gollum. <laughs> yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure what, what, um, what to use. Walter White? Ah. Uh, Nah, man, Walter White. <laughs> He's just changed from good to bad. It's not. It's not. Yeah, yeah. So, so my point is like, you know, you don't know who you're getting, right? So it's yeah. like it's it's really confusing when you have a parent who's loving and kind and supportive, but then like mm. another day, it's like gravity is going up or gravity is going down. Yeah. It's just fucking hard. Yeah. So, so I think something about your lack of confidence probably comes from that. That's it. So, so, yeah. so, so something about the whole comes from there, and then the yeah. problem is that as you mentioned earlier, like. You know, when you don't have confidence and you get rejected, it's shattering. Mm. And then on top of that, when I when you say like, you know, <laughs> what does rejection do to you? And your response is, it, it shatters me a little bit. <laughs> like that's an oxymoron if I've ever heard one. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, it, so. even that though makes sense because I think another adaptive mechanism that you have is you've learned how to numb yourself to the pain of being shattered. But I do think yeah. you get shattered with every rejection. Mm. And... Um, so I think your way forward is twofold. One is to understand that gaming is like is tanking and that at some mm. point like what you're going to have to do is stop let it tanking. And you've got to understand that gaming is going to be a very good solution. But I think you're actually doing a really good job. If you applied for a job three weeks ago, that's actually really good. Mm. And at some point you've got to understand that like you're going to be shattered a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and, and not so much that you get used to the shattering, because that you've already done. But I do think it's possible for you to, um, how can I say this, not get shattered by rejection through sort of intentional growth. Right? So, like, in, instead of, like, numbing yourself to those feelings, like, really sitting with those feelings, walking through them, and, like, yeah. letting them kind of pass through you. Because right now, I think what's going on is each rejection sort of like adds junk to your inventory. Yeah. And you're not really yeah. like vendoring that junk. <laughs> and so over time, like your subconscious is just cluttered with all this trash that is like, you know, and what Worthless. you really need to do is vendor your junk. But I don't think you do that because what you essentially do is you close the bag mm. and that's your numbness. You just close your inventory. You're like, fuck, this is such a mess. <laughs> and you just close the inventory and then you keep on trying to live life and then you yeah. don't have any like room for good shit in there because all the bad shit is filling up your subconscious subconscious actually works like that by the way like, yeah, if it's yeah, filled yeah, with yeah. bad shit there actually isn't room for good shit good stuff yeah yeah i get that and and so i think you've got to open up your bags and vendor some of that shit so mm. some of that can be through you know we can try to uh, talk a little bit further after this if you feel like it um mm. we can you can see a therapist or something like that have you ever tried to see a therapist um i have once yeah but didn't Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's something worth kind of reconsidering. Um, yeah. The other thing is, is you know, we have to try to fill in that pit. So we have to figure out like where did this lack of confidence and this sensitivity to rejection come from? I mean, I think right. the eczema honestly sounds like that would make someone pretty fucking sensitive to rejection. Yeah. You know, to be like judged for like your face and someone call you an alien because your eyes are puffy. Yeah. Like that sounds like it's a pretty bad fucking rejection. Yeah, <laughs> um, pretty shitty. And and so it, it you know it strikes me as a little bit odd that you feel like the the feeling is actually different. But I'm going to respect that. I'm going to assume you're right because I think it. If you feel like it's not the same, it's not the same. You may have right. more than one kind of rejection sensitive sensitivity. Yeah. Yeah. One of them does feel to me. It makes sense though because you said one of them feels like a lot more persecutory, 
And then the other one, the other sort of like, you know, the job application thing doesn't feel like it's a personal insult. It feels like you're a cog in the wheel and you're just getting railroaded yeah. by the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I wonder if you've, if, you know, there's been a time in your life where you felt like you got railroaded by the system. Is that? Mm. Possibly, yeah. I'd say it could be a thing, yeah. I'm not, I'd say it could be, yeah, yeah. I mean, so so what do you think about this kind of? So one strategy is to like kind of change a little bit, like recognize that gaming is actually going to be doing a lot of important stuff for your brain and to try to catch those moments and to try to like actually expose yourself to a little bit more negative emotion. So that's right. one option. Second yeah. option is you have to figure out where the source of this rejection sensitivity comes from and try to, you know, cleanse that debuff. Right. I'd say probably just like exposing myself to a little bit is probably like a bit of a better bet for me i think okay so i think that's something i'll try it's just yeah just scary <laughs> what's scary about it well exposing myself to kind of like the negativity and things like that yeah you want to try that here like like explain or no i mean do you want to try it here yeah okay so close your eyes Sit up straight. Okay, we're going to try it a different way. So yep. when was the last time that a rejection really hurt you? So it sounds like this last one wasn't that bad. Yeah, no, this one, this last one was never. Um, I says around, probably around three months ago, I got a job interview and it felt like it went well. And it was obviously something like get in touch with me. And I mean, I was quite excited for the job like I thought it was something that I could do it was something that like, helped me keep like healthy and on my feet and things like that mm -hmm. and obviously I thought it went well like the interview was like really nice and things like that and then just didn't hear anything and it was just the fact that like I didn't get a no that it just kind of like kept lingering mm -hmm. and it just felt like as each day went past like that sinking just like got worse and worse and worse okay so tell me something what that sinking for. where do you feel the sinking um, do you remember definitely in the chest like it's just the feeling of thinking that something was going to start doing well and then it wasn't like you get on a high temporarily and then you just like gradually feel the thinking like, mm. consistently so so it kind of feels like you know an elevation followed by like a depression yeah like yeah, a disappointment much. yeah yeah huh interesting have you had that feeling before like that, that kind of excitement in your chest followed by kind of like the sinking yeah. feeling? Yeah. Yeah, I've had quite a bit. Can you tell me about a couple of times? Um, one of the ones was like a test in school. Like I used to do like drama and things like that, like um, like acting. Mm -hmm. And I thought I'd do well. And then like it's pretty much like kind of situations where I like I kind of amped myself up for thinking that I did well and I didn't. Like misguiding myself. And then another situation was um, pretty much similar to the last job one where I thought I did really well and then ended up, like, I, I actually got a call for that one and thought that they were just going to say, yeah, you can start on, like, Tuesday or whatever. And they were just like, no, we've gone with someone mm. else. And I, like, <laughs> like, remember, like, like the shatter, like, the the feeling of just, like, nothing. Good. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> what, what did the shatter feel like? Uh, Pretty much just, like, just like like a quick sudden sink, like like in movies when they just like fall through water, yeah, like, <laughs> pretty much like that. 
Why are you laughing? Um, I don't know. I think it's like a coping mechanism that I have. <laughs> what are you feeling right now? Um, I don't think it's like embarrassment. It's just, it is a little bit uncomfortable, like talking about this stuff. But I think that's where do you feel that's why I want to push for it. Um, I'm not really sure. Good. I think it's kind of yeah. So, everywhere. so just, just focus. <laughs> so tell me what it feels like. It it just feels <clears throat> quite shallow in my chest. Like, like can't really tell where like the surface is. It just quite feels like a little bit empty. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I want you to just focus in on that feeling. The shallowness of your chest, the emptiness of your chest. And now what's happening to the feeling? It's kind of soothing over a little bit. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. You can even see it. You can see the change come over you. Try to feel it. Soothing over it. What does that mean? It's like, um, I don't know, I got like a, like a visual thing of like, when they're like soothing the cement of a bricks <laughs> and they're like building something. Okay. So you're, you're kind of, you're kind of helping it out. It's really, yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you something. Is there a particular time where you felt that feeling of, of kind of shallowness or emptiness pretty profoundly? Um... can't think of like any other like really specific situations okay how did you feel when your dad passed away um yeah my yeah i definitely felt the, the big sink <laughs> like Go ahead. yeah it was kind of like a mixture of like panic and the shallow sinking feeling like the instant, like the thud. What? What about what about that situation? What was it? Were there thoughts that came with the shallow sinking feeling and the thud? Yeah, because because my mom gave me the call, and I could just like hear like, the distress, and it it just hit like um. I can't really capture the feeling at the moment, but... It's okay. Yeah, just like a big sink. So I felt very frantic, like, I wanted sure. to be there, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you have... I mean, I think it's, you know, any parent passing away is very, very difficult. Is there mm. something in the same flavor or color as what we've been talking about with your dad passing away? the i mean this the sinking feeling of that is quite similar to when i got the phone call for the not getting the job but obviously on a much grander scale sure of course and yeah. and what so did that when your dad passed away did you feel like i mean does that feel like i know it's going to sound like a weird word but i'm asking you literally in your body mm. does it feel like a rejection yeah what do you think yeah, was it that got rejected? The losing the opportunity to 
show that I can do better. Mm. I guess. That's kind of interesting. I mean, oddly enough, Scott, I think that is the statement that you've made that feels the most full circle to me. Hmm. Because I, I had kind of written down on my paper that there was fear of rejection and what you're really wanting to do is like make people proud. Hmm. Did you want to make your dad proud? Yeah. Was he proud? I'd say it's certain things, I guess, but as a whole, I probably could have done a lot better, but yeah, not sure. Hmm. Do you feel like you screwed up? A little bit, yeah. Now, help me understand, when you say a little bit, does that actually mean... Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> there could be other feelings there, right? So, so Yeah. Because I mean, yeah. it's completely reasonable for you to think that you didn't screw up that big because, you know... Yeah. I, I mean, who who do you who do you feel like you've let down? Primarily him, because like I know that I could have done better, and it's just not living up to the potential that I like. I think I have inside me. Mm-hmm. So so now I'm going to ask you a question, Scott. When you get rejected, I think that there, there, there are two parts of you. I think there's a part of you that feels <clears throat> like you have the potential to do great things. Mm-hmm. And in a weird way, and now I'm going to be a little bit Freudian, okay? So you have to forgive me a little bit if this is just, this okay. could just be complete bullshit. So I want, I want you to imagine that there are two versions of your dad, right? Mm-hmm. The one who's not drunk and the one who's drunk. And then each of those versions in turn creates two versions of you. Yep. There's the dad who taught you how to play football, who played Final Fantasy with you. There's that guy. And so then there's also two Scots. Mm-hmm. There's the Scott who's confident in, in himself and knows he mm-hmm. has potential. And then there's another Scott who is kind of unsure about what he's worth. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does. <clears throat> and then... I think that, that what, what maybe is very scary for you is that you're not sure which of those Scots is real. Yeah. And every time you get rejected, maybe it terrifies you a little bit that the one who's a failure is actually the real Scott. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, so I'm going to just... I just want you to sit with that thought for a second, okay? And Mm -hmm. I want you to try to... How can I say this? Do you know how those two Scots feel different? What what your experience of them is or their experience of you? Because sometimes you're one Scott and sometimes you're the other Scott. I guess... Because, I mean, I guess I have moments of, like confidence when I think I've done like if I thought like for after the interviews for example something like that mm-hmm. so I guess that is that like an example of one Scott and then the other is the other maybe or... and I think what's what's really scary is that you start to believe that you're the successful Scott and then mm-hmm. life shows you that actually that Scott is false and you're actually a piece of shit <laughs> yeah is that how it feels yeah, yeah and I think that the sinking feeling is probably the transition like the noticing 
moment. So your road forward. So right now, which Scott do you feel like? Uh, the piece of shit one. <laughs> okay. And is there? What does that feel like? Uh, disappointing. Okay. Physically. And emotionally. <laughs> but yeah. Physically, how does it feel? Oh. Um, not good. Um, like, I don't know how to explain it physically, I guess. Um, Is it something that you feel in a part of your body or your entire body? Pretty much the entire body. I don't think it resides in one place. It, it, it's pervasive, right? Yeah. yeah. I want you to breathe into your body. And then exhale. So as you breathe in, I want you to imagine vitality coming in. And it's suffusing you. You can feel that breath throughout your entire body. And all of the sense of disappointment and, and failure that, per, that is just fills up every single cell in your body is getting jostled by that vitality. And as you breathe out, I want you to like squeeze that negativity out of you like you're twisting a wet rag. You're bringing in, so imagine that you're like a rag that's full of dirty water, and then you add clean water to it with each breath, and then you wring it out. So a lot of dirt leaves, but there's still a lot of dirt that remains. And so with each breath, you're adding more clean water. And with each cycle, with each exhalation, you're wringing out more dirt. Good. Now transition to the nose. It's a bit harsh for my nose. Okay, <laughs> it's then go ahead, and, go ahead and stick with your mouth then. What are you feeling? Cleaner. Good. So I want you to do three more breaths like that and then let your breathing return to normal. Good. And now, Scott, I want you to listen. So I want you to understand that successful Scott and failure Scott are both false. That fundamentally, you're not dirty water and you're not clean water. That's like successful Scott and failure Scott. What you actually are is the rag. That's the real you. And in order for you to really move past this, what you really need to let go is not just the sense of disappointment. The sense of disappointment is something that you buy yourself when you have the what? When I have the uh, confidence or the... Absolutely. As bizarre as that sounds. 
right? So this is the really, really tricky thing is that when you have the expectation or hope or confidence for success, that's just, that's like the casting bar for the actual spell of disappointment. You're building it up with the confidence, and then when your spell cast finishes, you're going to launch that fireball or frostbolt or whatever, right? And so yep. what you really need to do is is take a step back from both of those things and just try to be like, so so take a snapshot. Like, how do you feel right now? Um, a lot more tranquil, I guess. Like I okay. Feel... Are you successful right now? I mean, more so than I was like an hour ago. <laughs> like, okay. I feel a lot more like I understand the situation a lot more. So I agree with you that you understand the situation. Are you successful? No. Good. Are you a failure? Yes. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Okay. But less so than before, right? Yeah. Yeah. You feel like a failure in this moment. Yes. Okay. So I want you to, to try to notice that that feeling of failure is not actually you, but is something that fills your cells. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. So it's like you still have a bunch of crap that you need to vendor. <clears throat> We're not going to cure you yet. It's not like you can yeah. just click one button and sell all your trash. But yeah. I want you to notice what has changed in you. So you've, you've shed a little bit of failure, but you have not gained a little bit of success. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it opens up more for more space for success, though. Sure. But what I really want you to notice is that so far you have thought that when you reduce failure, success comes. It's a seesaw. Right. Right? But you're not actually any more successful. You've just stepped off of the seesaw a little bit, so it has less right. up and down. Yeah, yeah. And, and the more that you can understand, like, the more you can become closer to what you are now, and I see that, you know, you still feel the failure pretty profoundly— so I think you've mm. got to do this kind of practice, like this visualization yeah. of like wringing out the dirt. That's really yeah. what you've got to do. I think the better off you're going to feel. Right. And when it comes to applying for a job, it sounds like you apply for how many jobs per month? Mm, two, three. Yeah. So I, I think that this is where what you need you also need to do is each one of those, what happens is like you enter the cycle of success or failure with each job that you apply to. Yeah. Does that make it so, does that make sense? So yeah, actually what you need to do is if you're going to apply for three jobs a month, so be it, but apply to them all at the same time. Okay. What yeah. do you think that's going to do? It's I feel like it, if it does it all at once, it just I don't know what like the actual feeling would be but it feel a little more relieving I guess but yeah why I don't know if it like gets it out of the way or if I if I get the surge of positivity so, or what I yeah. hope it does for you is it depersonalizes the process this is the other really 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 big thing you need to do Scott you need to mm -hmm. depersonalize this process of finding a job. Right now, your value as a human being is tied to a particular job, like job outcome. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Your value as a yeah. person de is determined by whether you get the job or you don't get the job. 
right. as you apply for more jobs in a shorter period of time, you become uncoupled from the job process. Right. So practically, I think it'll be better for you to apply to more jobs faster. Okay. Now tell yeah, me what's that. what's happening to the shallowness or, or emptiness in your chest. How's that doing? It feels pretty patched up, or like well, I'm soothed over, I guess. Okay. Now, good. So I think you just did a little bit. You just cast a you know a flash heal. Yeah. <laughs> um, you you can open your eyes whenever you're ready. Good. I'm glad you're feeling a little bit better. Any yeah. has this been helpful? Not helpful? Yeah, it's, it's okay. for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Why? It gave me more realization of like the not necessarily the root of the problem, but like the the cause, I guess, like the the multiple things, and maybe identify those a bit better, which what, is good because I think I think I can learn from that or what, improve. What from have that, you identified? That. How to explain it? That. So Scott, I think you do a fabulous job of explaining when you think you do a bad job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. That I understand, like the what I actually feel about like success and things like that. I feel like I need to just do things rather than think about them more and well on them a bit. So I feel like that's one thing that like games have helped a lot with. It's just it, it helps me mellow it out a bit, I guess. But it, it helps you what? Like mellow it out. Sure. Yeah. Oh, words are hard. <laughs> yeah, they are. So, so, so I, I think that that's actually really good. Um, so I, I think when you say mellowed out, so I, I think another way that I would describe that is like depersonalization. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. so like you need to, like I was saying earlier, remove <clears throat> yourself from the equation. And much like you're questing in WoW, like like when you're when you're doing Stranglethorn Veil, is that right? Yep. <laughs> when yeah. you're doing Stranglethorn Veil, like do you do you take one quest at a time and go out and do it? No, you got multiple. Do that Why? In the area. It's more efficient. <laughs> okay. So, like, what about your job job seeking process? Yeah, it'll be more efficient if if I do them all at once. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So this is the last crazy thing I'll leave with you. Is I think you can actually learn a lot from video games. I think that, that a lot of the gamers that I work with, when I actually help, I feel like I'm sort of, I've unleashed them into some environments. Like I've set them up with things like internships and things like that in the past. Sometimes yeah. with startups and, and even at places like, um, there's a really good um, university in Boston called Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And my favorite thing to do with gamers that I work with in Boston is to set them up at, at MIT um, mm -hmm. or in MIT's incubator, which is like their entrepreneurship sort of thing. So you'll get like okay. PhD students at MIT. And then if I stick a gamer who has no job experience, if I just drop them in one of those internships, they actually do a phenomenal job. So I think huh. a lot of their, their very analytical thinking and a lot of the way that they problem solve and stuff is actually very, very helpful. The other interesting yeah. thing is that they tend to be very, very dedicated. So yeah. I know you grind WoW for 18 to 20 hours a day. I've dropped people in internships who will work for 20 hours a day, and they absolutely <laughs> love it, and they do a phenomenal yeah. job. So I think that you can absolutely learn things from World of Warcraft. You can learn mm. how to be efficient. You can learn how to, you know, you can you can learn a lot. Mm. And overall, you know, uh, Scott, I, I really do wish you the best of luck. 
Um, I'm kind of... I'm satisfied with where we are. How do you feel? I said satisfied is a good word for it. I, I feel... Yeah, satisfied. Like, I liked this experience a lot. You use the word a lot. Help me understand that. I... This will fuel me. Like, this will help me a lot. Like, it... The whole applying for a lot at once makes a lot more sense when I visualize it in, like, a different light. Mm -hmm. Which is one thing I always kind of had to struggle with. Just, like, yeah, that kind of thing. Um... Yeah, I'd say it's yeah, very very satisfied. <laughs> Good, I'm I'm glad. So I think that one of the things I'm noticing about you is I don't think you have a whole lot of emotional expression, which I think has to do with some of your numbness. So it's mm. you're saying a lot, but you look basically the same as when I first saw you. True. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's hard for me to gauge what your response has been without yeah. words because usually I mean, yeah. because I think in some ways I think you really are kind of emotionally like. Um, pretty numb yeah like pretty like your your emotional like wavelength is actually pretty flat right yeah. so like your emotions yeah, have been like this mm. um and and so it's useful i mean it, it's helpful for me to hear that this has been helpful and i you know i really hope it has been helpful you know keep us posted yeah. on how yeah. you're doing and yeah. uh any questions before we wrap up for the day no i think i'm pretty good I think it was amazing thank you so much you're very welcome man good luck dude cheers have Take a good care. one Okay, so emotions don't help you grind. Wow, <laughs> yeah, that's that's why you that's why you get rid of them, man. Who needs emotions when you're grinding? Wow. So let me ask you guys a quick question: Did y'all follow that meditation? I, I guess I should have. Um... Oh, yeah. So people are asking, did he have some amount of alexithymia? He had a ton of alexithymia. Okay. So, yes, no, kind of. Okay. Um, let me just think. Okay, so let's just do a little bit of Nadi Shuddhi. Let's do some alternate nostril breathing, okay? So I, I should have... Uh, you're a sociopath. How do you gain empathy? I'm not sure that you're a sociopath. I think just because you have a lack of empathy or emotional numbness doesn't mean you're a sociopath. So not feeling things doesn't necessarily... That's, that's a symptom. That's not a diagnosis, right? So a diagnosis is sociopathy, but there are all kinds of other reasons why you may not have empathy. Burnout, alexithymia, all kinds of things. Okay. So, Nadi Shuddhi, okay, or Nadi Shodhana. So this is alternate nostril breathing. So we'll do this again. So I want you guys to do this. Okay, actually, I, I, there's a good question here, so I'm going to expand on it a little bit. Um, so someone asks, can you expand on the alcoholic parents and gaming addiction thing? Yeah. So like, so I, starting in 2015, I started working with gamers, right? So that was about five years ago now. One of the most surprising things that I discovered was that like, 
about 30% of the gamers that I've worked with over maybe like 200 or 300 or 400 gamers. That sounds kind of high. Probably lower than that. But of the ones that I worked with individually, which was maybe like 100 or 200, I'd say like a third of them had actually alcoholic parents or one parent who was alcoholic. And I was just very, very surprised because I had always thought of gaming addiction as like an individual dopamine kind of thing. Like, you know, it's about the dopamine in your brain and stuff like that. It really has nothing to do with, um, you know, having alcoholic parents. So there are two or three hypotheses. One is that, you know, if you're prone to addiction in your brain, whether it be alcohol or another substance, maybe the, vulner- the biological vulnerability to alcohol in some way translates to a, a biological vulnerability to video game addiction, right? So this, some people say they have a quote-unquote addictive personality. I don't really quite buy that sort of sense, but I think it's complicated. So one option is that there's a biological predisposition that is genetically inherited to be addicted from one substance to be addicted to another substance. Now, I don't really hold too much to that theory because what we do know from genetic inheritance is that like being addicted to alcohol, like so if you have a predisposition for alcoholism, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get addicted to heroin. So like addiction is substance specific. So you have alcoholism that runs in in families and you have like opiate addiction that runs in families and that people also have a quote unquote drug of choice. So the question is, why do people have a drug of choice? Like biologically, why is it that some people get addicted to alcohol and some people get addicted to opiates and some people get addicted to marijuana? Some people get addicted to meth. Like why do people get addicted to different things? Why aren't substances like just more or less addictive, you know? And so the individuality, it turns out, is born in, in neuroscience so our, our, our euphoria, like what, which substance creates a sense of euphoria in our brain is actually like dependent on our biology. So some people, like our brain sort of lights up like a Christmas tree, some people with alcohol, some people with opiates, some people with marijuana, some people with methamphetamine, some people with video games, some people with other things. So there is a biological component, but that they, they seem to be specific to the substance. So what I believe, so that is kind of like a counter argument to like a genetic predisposition from alcohol to video game addiction. What I think makes a lot more sense, there may be some component, in fact, there probably is. But what I think is a lot more accurate is when I talk to people, they actually have this pattern quite commonly, which is that they just fundamentally are like not confident in the person that they are. And you can kind of like, with many people, I'll sort of dig into things like bullying and stuff like that. But like, I mean, everyone fucking gets bullied. Come on. Like most people get bullied and not everyone turns into a video game addict or at least not of this severity. So the question is like, why do you turn into a video game addict? And my sense is that, you know, the, the, you need a bigger tank for like a bigger boss and the bigger your pit is, the more planks that you need to cover it. And so people who get very, very addicted to video games have actually like a bigger pit or they're dealing with like more and more uncertainty. And if you think about it, what, is a, what does a video game give you? It gives you certainty. Like, wow, is the, why, do fucking peop, why do people play wow over and over and over and over again? It's because it's the same damn thing every single time. There's no uncertainty. So you can be confident in what happens with wow. That's the way the game is designed. It's like you're gonna, you can be confident in what happens. And so I think that this issue of lack of confidence about how the way the world works is very common with gamers. 
And so uncertainty becomes very, very like damaging to them. And what do I mean by that? There are a lot of people who like, let me just give you an example of how uncertainty is completely unacceptable for gamers. If there's gamers will avoid doing anything unless they're sure it's going to help them. Just think about this for a second. I'm not going to apply to a fucking job unless I know I'm going to get it. I'm not going to apply to school unless I know I'm going to get in. I'm not going to ask someone out unless I know they say yes. So just think about that. You have an aversion and most people are not like that, right? Like most people like basically understand that not everything is going to work out for you. So the question is why are gamers so averse to uncertainty? And I think it's because some of them grow up in an environment where like there's very little order. And so you learn how to like get really scared of like disorder and you start gravitating towards like order any place that you can find it. And what a video game really gives you is like order because in a game, you know what you're going to get. And the thing that paralyzes gamers so much from moving forward is a lack, a sense of uncertainty about what the outcome is. So they would rather... See, this is what happens every time. Is this working? Okay. So every time I say something profound, either Discord cuts out or Twitch stops streaming or I knock out. <laughs> yeah. So let me explain something to you. Gamers would rather... How can I... They would... How can I say this? They would rather spend... They would rather waste all of their hours... How, how can I say this? You're completely fine wasting time playing video games with a 0% chance of success. You'd rather do that than have a 50% chance of success and waste time doing something that like may not work out, right? Like gamers are more comfortable with a 0% chance of success than they are with like a 50% chance of success. It's fucking weird. It's bizarre, right? You would rather waste your time playing video games all day long rather than waste your time on an application that may not work out. You would rather give yourself a 0% chance of success and waste your life rather than do something that may lead to success, but you're not going to choose that. You fucking hate it. It's bizarre. You'd think that human beings would choose the thing that leads to the greatest probabilistic chance of success, which is that apply to a lot of things. But bizarrely, that's not how we work. We're like, no, screw that. If there's a chance it's not going to work, I'd rather not do it at all, and I'm going to waste all my time over here instead. Give me a 100% chance for a zero success as opposed to a 50% chance for 50% success. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a weird mathematical formula, but that's what I've observed. Right? It's bizarre. And I don't know where exactly this comes from, but I think it has something to do fundamentally with the way that we're wired. And I think that has something fundamentally to do with the way that we're raised. So we're taught to be like very, very scared of disorder from a young age. And if you think about what confidence is, the definition of confidence is being able to face uncertainty, right? That's what confidence is. Gamers are not interested in confidence. You guys don't want confidence. What you want is guarantees. And we sometimes we conflate those two, right? We say that like a guarantee, like no, guarantees and confidence are at opposite ends of the spectrum. 
The more guarantees you you have, the, the less confident you need to be. And so, like, this is really bizarre, but you guys actually don't want confidence. You don't look for confidence. You want a scenario where confidence is unnecessary. That's what you look for. And that's what paralyzes you. Because fundamentally, that's not possible. Newsflash. The world is full of uncertainty. But here comes fucking video games. And they come to your brain and they're like, hey, brain, you guys don't need to deal with uncertainty. You can get progress and accomplishment if you do this. You can come to me and you can play every single day and you can get progress progress and, and accomplishment and pride and a sense of, of growth without dealing with any of that uncertainty. And then your brain is like, well, fuck. I'm not going to deal with uncertainty. Like, screw that. Let me, let me get everything that I need with a guarantee. Like, I'll take the guarantee over the uncertainty any day of the week. And that's, that's what I think is going on. So I think that what, what you guys really need to do is understand that, like, life, if you want to move forward in life, what you should really do is embrace uncertainty. That uncertainty is, like, is how you get, you move forward. So I think a lot of my, my success has been through actually choosing the uncertain path over the certain path. It's walking away from opportunities, not taking them. So when I have like a set job to, you know, be a clinician at, at Harvard Medical School and they're going to give me that job and it's going to be a great job and then you walk away. And if I, if I hadn't walked away from that job, I mean, I'm still clinical faculty, so I still teach. But if I hadn't walked away from the job, Healthy Gamer would, wouldn't exist today. Because I wouldn't have had time. Because I would have been an employee with a boss. So walking away from great opportunities and facing uncertainty, I think, is a wonderful way to move forward in life. But you've got to understand that like, it's going to be a shit show. Like, I didn't know that Healthy Gamer was going to happen. Right? So like, you, you not, you're not going to know. And this is the other crazy thing, is that you guys try to create so many expectations about what you want your life to be that you guys don't even grasp that your brain does not even know what you're capable of. Think about that for a second. When you think about what your future can hold, you are such a poor judge for like what you're capable of because you have so little experience in the real world. And this is the big problem is you guys all aim way too low. Like I'm telling you guys, I will take a 26-year-old who has never had a job in his life and I will drop him in an MIT startup and he will do phenomenal. With no work experience. He'll just learn. He'll like, he'll go on wiki. And like, he'll go on Wikipedia and he'll like learn how to code and he'll learn how to problem solve and he'll learn Stata and statistics because that's what you guys do, right? Like if you look at Scott, Scott plays WoW for 20 hours a day. He knows the game in and out. And, and like if, if, if you guys get challenged and you stop caring about like guarantees of success and you can just abandon all that crap. And this is what I was telling Scott is like in terms of the dirty water and the clean water, you guys are so concerned about success and failure. You guys are neither of those things. You're the rag. If you just abandon the idea of success and failure and you just do something, it's the results have like almost always been amazing. I haven't, I haven't been, dis, I've been, I mean, people haven't, some people haven't done well. But I haven't been disappointed in them, even if they don't do well. So anyway. It is difficult to find something you actually enjoy doing, though. Yes, I completely agree. It is difficult to find something that you actually enjoy. 
The problem is that most people don't, their search for things that they enjoy happens up here instead of with their hands. You guys, when you think about, when you find, you don't find what you enjoy, you think about what you may enjoy and you let that control whether you act. Think about it for a second. Where do you make the determination about what you are going to enjoy? Do you make it up here or do you make it in the outside world? And how good of a judge is this depending on what you're going to enjoy? Think about it. Right? So this is exactly what I'm saying. You guys, in terms of the solution space that you create for yourself, it is so narrow. Because you guys have no idea what you enjoy. You have no clue. Because you guys don't do anything. You live in here. And that's not just a bad, I mean, like in in this case, it's a bad thing, but this is what I'm telling you guys. You guys have spent so much time living in here that like we live in a world where like this working really well is actually the most important part of your success in the real world. This. And so if you actually find yourself in a job that you enjoy, this shit is leveled up so much that you guys are going to do an amazing job because you've leveled this up. The problem is this can't fix everything. So you just need to level up your like IRL skills a little bit and then unleash. That's really the best word that I can think of. I feel like I'm unleashing gamers into like certain areas. It's like they're like a fucking tornado and they just own it. One last story I'll share with you guys, okay? I was taking a class called Value-Based Healthcare at Harvard Business School. So this is a class where there were a hundred or so physicians throughout the Harvard Medical School training program who took a class, so Harvard Andy, Harvard Andy, Harvard Andy, and I'm using that, re- that this phrase for a reason, right? At HBS. So these are a bunch of fucking tryhards who are very accomplished. And we had an assignment. The assignment was optimize patient flow through a urology clinic. So urology is, is like the subspecialty of medicine that deals with the genital tract and also like, yeah, the urogenital tract. Sorry, not genital tract, but urogenital. So it's like urine stuff, like bladder, urethra, all that kind of stuff. They also deal with like erectile dysfunction and stuff like that. And so like they have some procedures, right? So that sometimes they have to like inject dyes and take x-rays and stuff like that. So they have patients that come to urology clinic and it's like kind of complicated. It's not like psychiatry where you come and you just talk to someone and then you leave. You have to like get prepped by a nurse. The, the doctor has to do a procedure. Some people need procedures. Some people don't need procedures. Some people need prep. Some people don't need prep. So it's like a complicated situation where you don't know what the patient's needs are. So you don't know how many, like how many nurses do you need? How many doctors do you need? How many rooms do you need? How many rooms with equipment do you need? How many like offices do you need with, for just consultations where you talk about medications? It's kind of complicated. So the, our task was to optimize, optimize flow through a urology clinic. So I, I log on to Discord and I turn to a couple of buddies of mine who are all neats. I'm like, hey guys, I have this task. Like, do you guys want to help me try to figure this out? And I send them the case. It's like a case study. So they work on the case and they come back with solutions. They're like, oh, you should do this, this, and this. This is what I think you should do. I'm like, great. Next day I go to class or next week I go to class. And then, um, you know, the, so the, the professor's like, what do you, so what do you guys think you should do to optimize flow? And then I have my plagiarized answers from my buddies on Discord. I raise my hand and I say, I think we should do this, this, and this. Professor's like, fantastic. Those are all wonderful ideas. Like I'm telling you guys, crazy. Right? So what gamers are good at is if you, give you, if you give them a system and you tell them to optimize a system, they're good at that. Because think about what you've changed, what you've trained yourself to do. 
You optimize WoW, you optimize Fortnite, you optimize League of Legends, you optimize Dota, you optimize Final Fantasy Tactics, you optimize all kinds of stuff. You guys are great at optimizing. And all you have to do is just like, like go, like, do you guys realize like how bad people are at optimizing things in the real world? Like people do stupid stuff all the time. Like it's just mind-numbingly dumb. And it feels mind-numbingly dumb to me because I'm a, I'm an optimizer. Like y'all, you guys know what min-maxing in D&D is? Like we're good at min-maxing. You guys are good at min-maxing. You're going to be good at like other stuff in the real world too. You just need the social skills and you need to like apply for the job to where people don't think you're an asshole when you tell them that you're doing something dumb. And you can actually help a lot of people because most people don't think like we do. So games train us to think in terms of efficiency. Most people do one side quest at a time. They actually don't batch their side quests and do like a circuit of Stranglethorn Vale. It's not how they live life, right? And you have like whole degrees and stuff that are devoted to like fixing operations and like streamlining operations and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that you guys are as good as formal education, but you'd be surprised. So I took a, a guy that I was working with, and hopefully he's not watching, but and I told him that I wanted to do economic analysis on esports. So I told him that I want to publish a paper about which esports are the most lucrative and which esports are the hardest to break into. Guys, he's never done anything like this before. I show him some data and I'm like, hey, like this is how, like, do you know how to use Excel? He's like, sort of. And I'm like, oh, okay, like, so this is what you do and this is how you run the analysis. Here's, here's the analysis for one sport. I want you to take this and do nine other esports. He's like, okay. And sure enough, he does a great job. So don't underestimate what you're capable of. I mean, you guys do, but that's just because you just don't, you don't, I mean, of course you're going to underestimate what you're capable of because you have no experience. So your estimation is going to suck. So go get, get yourself out there. Try something. And, and just try something. You'll be amazed at what you're capable of. You just fucking try. And the other thing is that, like Scott's applying for one job every two weeks. Like that's not how you get a job. You got to apply for like a hundred jobs over the course of three months. That's how you get a job. And then the other problem is like you guys are applying for one job every two weeks. So like the likelihood that you're going to get a job that you enjoy is going to be low because you only have one option. So you guys are concerned. I say you guys. I mean, this sounds like a fucking boomer talking to you. So just think about this for a second. A lot of gamers feel like they need to find a job. You guys don't need to find a job. Finding a job is dumb. I don't think you should find a job. I think you should find five jobs, and then I think you should pick the best one. But that's not the way that you think, and that's not the way that you act. You guys are so concerned about finding a job that you doom yourself to finding a shitty one. You should get five jobs. You should increase the number of places you apply by 100. And then you should be selective about what you want. You guys think that life is not giving you anything, so you're willing to take the table scraps from your shitty efforts and instead like put forth some effort and then get something that you enjoy doing. It's actually doable. It's not that crazy. But that's just not how we think. Like, apply for weight. Like, you guys get this? Your problem is not you need a job. Your problem is like you should get like 30 offers of acceptance. And then the other problem that you guys make is when you get a job, what do you stop doing? You stop applying. That's dumb. That's just so dumb. Why would you stop applying for jobs just because you have one? You're completely missing the point. You don't know what you're going to like two weeks from now. 
Sorry. I, I mean, I, I'm not... It, like, I'm the same... I was the same way. So this is the way that I think now. It's like, just pause and think about this, right? So, like, don't accept... How can I say this? Don't accept the walkthrough that the boomer generation has given you. Create your own walkthrough. Because the walkthrough from the boomer generation, which is they say, hey, kid, you don't have a job. You need a job. That walkthrough doesn't work for us. That's why the world is like, that's why everything is shit. Because the boomers gave us a walkthrough. And they're like, this is how you be successful in life. That walkthrough doesn't work anymore. We've got to come up with our own solutions. And our own solutions are going to be different. And we don't have to work hard. Like their walkthrough is like, work hard and you'll be successful in life. That's a dumb, that's a dumb walkthrough. Don't do that. I'm lazy. You guys are lazy. That's fine. Like the solution is not apply for one job, get one job, and then work your ass up to a management position, even though you don't like it. What I'm saying is front load your work so you can be a lazy asshole down the road. Find the job in IT where your bosses don't understand what you do. Where they don't understand like that you can write a script to do your job for you and you can sit there in the back and just like run your script to automate things. Like people don't understand that you can run scripts to do things. They think that like stuff has to be done manually, like data entry that gets done manually. Right? And then like the cool thing about that is once you realize like I want you guys to try to optimize and maximize your laziness. All you guys, sorry for saying all you guys. All you guys are like, oh, I'm so lazy. I'm so undisciplined. Like, yeah. So don't try to change. Don't try to be something that you're not. This is where the Eastern philosophy, oh, Eastern philosophy. Be what you are. Oh, be present. Accept, accept who you are. Oh, enlightenment, yoga, Buddha. Oh, oh, be where you are. You guys need to really listen to that for a second. It's not for yoga hippies. It's for you. What that means is be lazy. Be lazy. Try to be the laziest person that you can. But make it work for you. Don't try to be, don't, don't, don't do the boomer walkthrough. Don't do the boomer walkthrough. Don't work hard. That's not the way you become successful. The way you become successful is by adding value, not adding effort. Think about this for a second, okay? What is value? How do we define value? Does anybody know? What is the mathematical definition of value? How do you define value? No, incorrect. Value equals value, incorrect. Isn't value and effort the same? Absolutely incorrect. Value is the result. It is. It's on one side of the equal sign. What is on the other side of the equal sign? Work divided by time, incorrect. Output minus input, sort of. Value equals time, no. No. See, this is the basic pro- Yeah, so, so one, I'm seeing a couple of people get it. Effort over time. Sort of. You guys are getting closer. I'll tell, I'll tell you. So value equals yield divided by effort. Right? High value things give you a lot of stuff for a little investment. That's the definition of value. So like if we think about like, oh, a high value pair of shoes gives me a lot of walked miles divided by the cost of the shoes. Just think about that for a second. Value. So high value in healthcare. So there's like 
this value-based healthcare delivery course that I was telling you guys about, what is value in healthcare is like amount of sickness improved divided by cost of delivering care. Do you guys get that? So it's like yield divided by cost. And so if you guys want to have high value, what that means is that your effort can be low. That's the goal. So if you guys are lazy, that's perfectly acceptable. Optimize that. In fact, all of healthcare in the U.S. right now is trying to become lazier. They're trying to reduce the cost or the effort that you put in and get more out of the, the like clinical outcomes that you receive. Does that make sense? So be lazy. Just figure out how to make laziness work. Don't try to not be lazy. Dumb. Sorry for calling you guys dumb, but it is dumb. It's like dumb. I was dumb. I mean, I'm still dumb, probably. Like 10 years from now, I'm going to be saying something else about how stupid I was before. I was like, oh, I was so dumb. Like, I was telling people to be lazy. Like, how fucking dumb is that? (laughs) So grow. Fine. Let's say grow. So I encourage you guys to challenge yourself about thinking about, like, how can you be as lazy as possible? This is your homework for today. Okay? And think about how many jobs do you need to apply to to maximize your laziness? Think about that. The more jobs you apply to, does that increase your capacity to be lazy over the next year or decrease the capacity to be lazy over the next year? Right? So think about it. Answer is zero. Fine. Effort equals zero values infinity. Absolutely. <laughs> just be homeless. No, don't just be homeless. That's dumb. I mean, if you are homeless, I, that's unfortunate. I'm not calling you stupid. But what I'm saying is that, like, just think think a little bit about how you're living your life and think about if you can live it differently. Because I still maintain that most of change in life, I know this sounds crazy, is not through effort. I mean, it does it does require effort, but it's not through work. So I think the effort is actually up here. I think the effort is an increase in intentionality. So I sketched out, like, anyway, I'm going to get off on another tangent. I got to stop. So I'm sorry that we don't have time for meditation, but I want you guys to just think about what we've talked about today and try to think about how to apply it to your own life. Like actually like stop and reflect on it. Think about how can you insert these principles into your own life and whether they apply to you or not. And one of the biggest, biggest lessons that I learned is that I know that we're all about procrastinating and like not like pushing back things. But generally speaking, if you really want to be lazy in life, the solution is to front load your work for an optimal like setup down the road. That's really what it's about. Right? So all these people who like bought Alterac Valley, like they're 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 doing it right. Like you can you don't think that you can bot real life? Like you can absolutely bot real life. Absolutely do things that increase your efficiency and like make it like a lot of people are working for stuff and you can just automate it. Right. So like there's I mean, we've we've automated a lot of stuff recently. We're trying to create workflows and you try to think about it. That balance seems very hard to find. You're very right. It is very hard to find. So, oh, I I forgot for a second. If it's hard to do, you guys are just not going to do it. Right. Hard and impossible can be the same to a gamer. I'll leave you guys with that thought. And um, take care, guys. So we're going to try to focus on this webinar, a couple of things. So by the way, a lot of this stuff, uh, for those of you who have supported us, 
we are very, very grateful. Um, so we're going to try to turn some of that into a webinar. Um, and yeah, I think right now um, we're, I don't know exactly how the cost structure is going to work. I think we're going to try to make it free. Hopefully I don't shoot myself in the foot for that. We're going to see if there's some way that we can swing a suggested donation or maybe have people just support us through Patreon or something like that. We really don't want to charge for it. We may have to. Um, and if we do charge for it, it's going to be like super cheap. Um, but it's just, we're going to have to figure out what our investment is and, and things like that. But I think we're, we're getting a lot of support through streams. So I'm really, really grateful for that. And our hope is to try to build this content. Definitely what's coming out is YouTube videos on a lot of this stuff. So I have, um, there's one, I'll just share with you one guy, one thing that I'm thinking about. Oh yeah. So here's, here's a, I want to do a video about this. What's the difference between half-assing something and doing something good enough? And what's the difference between waste and sacrifice? Right? So that's something that we're doing a video about. Does that make sense? Like, think about that for a second. Lots of answers. Lots and lots of answers. So what's the difference between half-assing something and doing something good enough? And what's the difference between waste and sacrifice? Right? So think about this stuff. And then the next question is, is it important to understand what the difference between these two things are? That's even a more important question. So these questions that I ask, like, what's the value of me, like, asking this stuff? What do you think? Do you think it'll change? I mean, I hope that it'll change your life. And I hope it'll change your life because you'll understand the difference between those two things. And hopefully you'll do one instead of the other. And, and like, so my life has been changed through, like, answering questions like this. Like, I, I really want you all to understand this. My life has not been changed through working harder. It's been changed through like understanding concepts and systems. And that's like a no-brainer, right? Like if you guys see, you know, if you see like speed runs, like someone who does a speed run doesn't work harder than someone who plays the game at a slow pace. What's the difference between a speed run and like a noob who plays the game? In fact, the noob exerts a lot more effort, right? Like what... Exactly. Proficiency, optimization, knowledge. That is the difference. And the funny thing is that the speedrunner actually beats the game in a fraction of the time is the noob. And so just think about that. Knowledge is sufficient to actually change your life for the better. Absolutely. You cannot teach experience. I completely agree. But I can ask you guys questions... And you can reflect on them, and then you can gain understanding. I can't teach understanding either. I can give you information. And that's part of the reason that what I try to do is ask questions and make statements that are provocative from a thinking perspective. Because my goal here is not to teach you. My goal here is to make you think. Because I can give you guys all the answers, and it's not going to change you. Like, the goal is for you to think, because that also has to do with behavioral change and how the brain works and stuff like that. Right? I'm not asking you guys to memorize multiplication tables. I'm asking you guys to learn how to multiply. And I can, I can demonstrate multiplication tables. I cannot teach you how to multiply. 
Multiplication is something you have to learn and understand on your own, right? Do you guys get that? I can't transmit the knowledge of multiplication to you as a concept. That's the goal. Anyway, thank you guys very much. Um, we'll see you all on Wednesday.